Hi to all our listeners. This is Coach Chelsea, the host of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study, a place where athletes, coaches, and athletic professionals come together to talk about faith, sports, and servant leadership. We hope that this podcast blesses you. If there's anything we could do for you, please find us at the Chelsea F on Twitter, at Chief Friend John, C H E F R A N J O H N on Instagram and streaming live at Chelsea F. Muir on Facebook. We pray that you continue to be blessed and continue to serve as God would ask us to. All right, everybody, I want to thank you guys again for joining us for another edition of The Servant Leader. I'm super excited about this one because this one was a bit different. We actually started in the same group with this servant leader that we had on the day, and then it just came down to a conversation, and you learn a lot about someone from their energy. I'm a huge vibe person, and when I had a phone call with today's servant leader, Jason Wells, I was truly thrown. I was thrown because in today's world where so many people could be negative and the energy could be low, he was so positive. I have Jason Wells on a call today. I mean, so many things, author, speaker, (laughs) athlete, right? But the biggest thing I love about him is because he is a true servant leader in everything that he does. And I'll never forget this. And he probably doesn't remember this. When we actually follow each other on social media, he says, my name is Jason with a Y because... (laughs) And I was like, well, oh my gosh, yes, I need to learn and know this person. So when he reached out to me for other reasons, I knew that God ordained this. So Jason, I'm so excited to have you on the call today. I appreciate your time. I say this every time. I appreciate your time because time is the one thing in life that we give that we can't exchange nor give back. So I appreciate you on the call today, man, and let's get it. Yeah, let's get it. I appreciate you having me. Um, I have done my homework as well, listened to a few episodes, so I, I know what to expect. Uh, yeah, just, I, you know, obviously we connected in the Embrace Us family and the Embrace Us group, and uh, I feel like everybody that's in that group and involved in that team brings something dynamic and something special to the table. So, Absolutely. Um, I, you know, for us to be coaches, basketball coaches, whatever you want to call it, I, I think we're all in that space of serving people, so you know, servant leader has become a buzzword nowadays, but I really, I don't, I don't know, no other way. You know what I mean? Like, what am I doing to give of myself, and, you know, for any accolades, any successes, any things that, that may have been provided or, or given the opportunity for me, how am I giving that to somebody else? So um, yeah, real quick, I guess my background, I'm born and raised in Cleveland. Yes. I'm a Browns fan. I, you know, Cavs fan, Indians fan, and Buckeyes fan. So it ain't very often that I can wear my hat and be proud as my eight and three Browns, you know? (laughs) Um, But yeah, born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, and spent the first 17 years of my life there, pretty much not leaving. And then I was culture shock over to Terre Haute, Indiana. And um, yeah, spent four years of my life there at Indiana State. And then I was blessed. And I, you know, I know I'm on a on a servant leadership podcast where I know I I don't have to worry about and concern myself with talking about my faith. But yeah, I'm very specific about using that word blessed of being able to play overseas as a professional for 13 years. So um yeah, like 
I'll rather I don't like to talk about myself, so I let you take that out, and then we can uh, you can just pull out pull out what you want to. But um, yeah, just excited to be here, excited to share, excited to connect with all these wonderful coaches that you have access to. Hey man, I appreciate that. You know, I laugh real hard because uh, that's one of the things you said too when you told me you were from Cleveland on the phone call. Uh, so yeah. shout out to Cleveland. Uh, one of my aunts, God rest her soul, passed away. Uh, she was right there in the Cleveland area. That's it. And I told you that on the, on the call that I have a lot of family streaming out that way. So I already knew you were on good ground. Yeah, yeah. Shout out, uh, shout out okay. to Coach Vince. I see Coach Vince in the chat too. Yeah, it's all uh, it's all Buckeye country. There you go. <laughs> see, you already surrounded by love. So you can go ahead and just lay back real quick and get ready. I was telling you before we actually got started that, you know, I do my research too. Okay. And, you know, as people say, numbers don't lie. They don't always tell the, you know, full story. But one of the things I do know is that what people pull out, you can see the authenticity. Mm. And, you know, you kind of dropped your head because I don't like people to talk about me and put spotlight on me either. But you did a TED Talk. Um, and it basically was talking about, um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but mm. water. Did I do that right? Yeah, yeah with water all right and i want you to take a minute to just kind of sum that up for those and we're gonna you know when i put this episode out we're gonna add the link so people can listen to that because i started listening to that and man i was blown you know it i'm a huge hoarder of knowledge in terms of with myself and to get it right i don't want wrong information so i hoard it process it and i spread it abroad man that was it was big it was big for me and i'm gonna listen and i want you to just talk to our listeners a little bit about a that TED talk and where it came from, the motivation and just how you apply that to your life. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's all real simple, Chelsea. The motivation was literally, that's what I was going through. Not when I delivered it, but when I actually wrote it. And I didn't write it to be a TED talk. Um, I actually had another speaking engagement and they gave me the topic and all they gave me was the topic. So it's, it was the original was with this group here in St. Louis called Creative Mornings. And the way that that organization is set up is they'll have 12 words for the year and each month will have a word. And so all they gave me is, I think it was back in like, Mar it was March because it was my mom's birthday. So it was March of 2019 and all they gave me was the topic of water. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then, um, God, it's so yeah, it is. I was about to say crazy, and I'm doing my best. I do these things I call word challenges, where I'll challenge the words that I say, um, and I'm doing my best to eliminate the word crazy. And instead of saying crazy, say amazing. But okay. um, but what's wild about it is, I wrote that whole speech in like 40 minutes, and it was literally based off of what I was going through at the time, and so you know, you take these four, what I refer to in the talk as personalities of water. So the beauty of water, the destruction of water, um, the resilience of water and the versatility of water, and then kind of just playing those things into our life. And you think about it and this, you know, I'm not a huge Bruce Lee dude, but you know, I know one of his things is, is be like water and, and flow and, and, you know, not, not let any, and water is one of the softest substances on earth, but it's also one of the most hard and, and destructive as well. And, and so, yeah, I was just, you know, I, I say I ain't that smart. I'm just a little boy from Cleveland. So I, you know, everything that I do, I give credit to the divine for just me being a vessel for. So um, yeah, it, that's what was, what put on me. And 
I stood on that stage and standing on that TED stage, you know, I never played in the NBA. I had some invites, I had some tryouts, I had some summer leagues, but standing on that TED stage and, and getting my first author copy of my book, um, those were, those were my mama, I made it moments. You know what I mean? You know, when you, when you like, okay, I, I did something. So it was, it was an honor to stand on that stage. I know there's so many phenomenal people that want to do it, that haven't done it. And then also joining a team of absolutely amazing people that have done it. So yeah, just, just honored and blessed to be able to share that platform. And most importantly, as you mentioned, share my experiences through my authenticity. And I think that was the most amazing part. You had me at the different phases of water simply because I am a science nerd. So I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm already in here, right? But yeah. I think that's the most amazing part about it um, that you said. I love how much that you are so multifaceted. And that brings me to my next point with you about, you know, your initiative, Athletes of Purpose. Yeah. As coaches, as athletes, former athletes ourselves, one of the hugest things that, you know, most coaches can agree to is, you know, you have some coaches who just care about the X's and O's and wanted to win. And that's fine because we all want to win as sure. a coach, you are competitive, fine. But it is very rare. It is starting to take a turn. The pandemic has helped that. But it's very rare that coaches truly care about the holistic approach, as I call it. Mm. Can you talk us a little bit about Athletes of Purpose, how God gave you that, and what you do, and how that helps our athletes? Yeah. Um, so it started, you mentioned that why in my name. And it's, it's so wild because I'll occasionally, I've asked my mom this like two or three times here, probably in the last five or six years. Like, yeah, why you put that why in my name? And, and her answer stays consistent. She was like, I just wanted you to know that you were unique or uncommon and, um, and I, you know, different. And I, I, I was the guy that just hated to have his name misspelled. Obviously, that's not the, the typical spelling of the name Jason. And um, yeah, now it's become my tagline. I, you know, like I mentioned to you, spell it correctly because it's all about the why. And Athletes on Purpose, like it started rooted in this quote that's over my right hand shoulder of of the book like you know we talk all this stuff about it's bigger than the game it's bigger than the game well if it's bigger than the game why do we focus so much on the game mm. and you know me i use my own experience and that's been the most beautiful thing about this entire thing is i just use my own experience i use my story i tell people i fell in love with basketball because my dad was a musician and, you know, after they give me the, the sideways puppy face, like, what you mean? You know, um, it's my dad. He didn't vicariously live through me. Um, he didn't he didn't put these expectations on me when I was a little kid of playing on a certain team or scoring a certain amount of points or, um, you know, starting or anything like that. It was, you know, hey, I'm an artist. I can't really teach you the games of the game of basketball, especially the ins and outs of it. So he gave me a pat on my butt and told me I support the heck out you. And I have two sons. I have a 13 year old and a 10 year old. I raised them the same way. My 13 year old and I have just literally in the past couple months started basketball workouts because my thing to him was always look, man, when you ready, I'll, I'll give you everything I know. But until you're ready, I'm not about to frustrate you or me giving you something that you don't want or you ain't ready for. 
And, That's right. Yeah. And he came to me a couple months ago at 13 years old. And he's like, daddy, I'm ready. And he's been playing on the team since he was in the sixth grade. And, you know, he's not very good. And I don't want him to be very good in the sixth grade. I want to, if he chooses to do this, I want him to be very good at, at 26, not 13, you know? Um, and so, yeah, that, that whole thing with athletes on purpose really just started with um, this quote of, if it's bigger than the game, why do we focus so much on the game? And then um, the individual focus is actually split up into three areas. First off is the athletes. So for them, my core thing for athletes, and it doesn't matter whether you're high school, whether you're college or whether you're pro is identifying your identity beyond the game you play. And I don't care whether it's basketball. I don't care whether you shoot it, throw it, hit it, spike it. I don't care what you do. Don't, it's not a ball and you run in track or, or doing something else. Um, it's, who are you? And, and so much of their identities is wrapped up into the sport they play because of those expectations that I spoke about earlier. Um, parental expectations, coaching expectations, their own expectations. Like they get wrapped up into these identities. And then all of a sudden, be it injury, be it skill set, be it a pandemic, all of a sudden you don't have that anymore. And now, now you're stuck with trying to figure out who you are. Um, and, and what I found from my friends, and again, my own personal experiences, the longer you do it, that don't necessarily put you in a better place. Cause the longer you do it, the more ingrained in that identity you get and the harder it is to break it. And so, um, that's the athletic purpose. And then also if I'm dealing with athletes, I got to deal with their parents and I got to deal with their coaches. Yes, so, yes. <laughs> you know, from, from a parental standpoint, it's educating them. I have these three words that I stick to misinformed, uninformed, and ill-informed. And, and I, you know, I've been blessed again to be able to work in the, the elite youth basketball space, specifically on a brand side. And, you know, you, you get all of these parents that are, yeah, I, I, your son, your son or your daughter can really play. And like, don't tell that to that parent and that they, their child is 12 years old. You know what I'm saying? There's so much yeah. development physically, mentally, mature wise that goes on between 12 and being recruited. Um, so yeah, just arming these parents with the tools that allow them to be able to parent to the, to the best of their ability. Um, and then the last one is obviously the coaches. And again, we were a part of that Embrace Us group in my first meeting when Coach Brittany Zell said, uh, help the helper. Like that, that was it for me. Obviously, that's, that's a phrase that we use within our sport, but my focus is how do I put coaches in situations to be better leaders for the people that are in their care? Um, and it doesn't matter whether it's your staff, whether it's your athletes, whether it's your parents, uh, you know, we do so much helping for other people, but who's actually helping us? And that's actually where the business has taken off here uh, in the last couple months is once you can get over that ego of, um, of doing it, doing it the way that I've always done it. You know, coaches, we had to slow down in this time, too. And we're, so often we can fool ourselves with the busyness of our schedule. But all of a sudden we got to sit down just like everybody else. And you're forced to be with yourself just like everybody else. And, and touching on that purpose thing, as I shut up and let you ask questions, um, the biggest thing that I found out with purpose, and again, this is all related into my own personal story. The biggest thing that I found out with that universal question of why am I here or what am I here for? Um, people struggle with that. Like it's, it's almost impossible to know why you're here if you don't know who you are. And I learned myself 
in living in somebody else's country for the, the early adult years of my life. Ages 21 to 34, I spent nine months in somebody else's country and I don't care whether you got uh, your coolest teammate in the world or somebody that you don't talk to outside of practice, you're not spending 24 hours with them. So I was almost forced into an opportunity to be by myself, learn myself, reflect within myself. And it still takes some growth and some, some maturation, but yeah, you know, I, I, I share, how can we be better as coaches to make sure that our athletes are better as people as well? Cause they're people before they're players. I think that's so huge. And I, and I love that, that first of all, it's important to know why you're here. Um, and it is impossible to know why you're here. If you don't know who you are Yeah. in addition and extension to that, because we're on a servant leader, it's impossible. It's impossible to know why you're here. If you don't know who you are and whose you are. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that is, so that's a conversation that is continuously had and shared on this platform because we can't know exactly who we are until we understand whose we are. No doubt. Here, why he created us. You know, I was telling somebody the other day and I tweeted this out. I said, your purpose is your purpose. You know, we so often try to fight with one another about space. Uh, I'm reading the tragedy of commons with my AP environmental science kids. We do it every year. And we talked about freedom in the commons. We also talked about resources and what happens when everyone's attacking the same resource. We sit at every day in these jobs that we hold. We sit it in the athletic and sports community where everyone is trying to do the same thing. Everyone wants to win and attack the same resources, but everybody has a separate purpose yeah. and an ordained purpose that was given to only them. But the problem is we stay comparing the purpose, either A, we don't know it, or we stay comparing the purpose because what it looks like when I look at Jason, does Jason's compare or seem bigger than mine? Yeah. And what happens is that purpose that God gave me, I'm sitting here thinking it's small, but I don't understand that that purpose that I'm now not doing, I'm not doing his will. And so things are missing. Sure. Somebody's life is not changed because I thought my purpose was small. And so I think that is so huge in what you said. The other person uh, that I wanted to shout out is what you said, uh, Coach Brittany Ezell, another servant leader. Yeah. Air hers in a minute. I'm telling you, when she <laughs> opens her mouth, it's like a trance comes over you that your mind opens up and says, accept this knowledge, accept this knowledge. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And you're right. The helping the helper. That's another reason why God gave me this platform is because what place do coaches have? Uh, we have all these X's and O's platforms. All of these, hey, want some blobs, want some slobs, wants to be able to figure out what to do on offensive, defensive end, right? But what happens when we want to come to a place to tap into that other side of us? We, yeah. every day, every game, and every practice, empty. Who fills us? And so you're so right in that. And just on the last thing before my next question to you, my mom wanted to say good afternoon. And she said, Mr. Wells, your mother gave <laughs> when she uniquely spelled your name and shared her rationale with you why she did it. Keep representing your unique brand. We all have enough replicas. See, I didn't even read that. I need more originals. That Shout out, mom. That was awesome. I'm original. She's original. But if you look at us at the same time, I'm a replica of who she is. Proud of that. Um, you know, Jason, it's so awesome just seeing everything that you do. And I think it's so amazing um, just how you help that I'll call the triad yeah. of college, okay? That parent, the player, and the coaches, and it's important. And what happens, and I put this in the chat when you were talking, 
so often coaches lose sight of why we do what we do. Mm. So often you see those parents and those coaches who had dreams deferred and they're utilizing that and pushing these kids to things that they wish they could have done. What would you say to coaches, especially in this time where many of us are listening uh, and normally we wouldn't have in the hustle and bustle, what would you say to coaches and leaders who A, haven't figured out their own identity, they haven't had their dreams fulfilled and they're placing that on these young people instead of helping them find their own path? Yeah, oh man, what an amazing question. So <clears throat> I'll lead this off the way that I shared something else. You know, any of these things and people, you know, I'm not a huge Twitter person. I've been doing my best to get better at it, especially watching you and Coach Mo and, and, and Cabral Huff go at it. Like, we gonna get you like, right. We gonna get you right. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'm good at retweeting. I'll, I'll grab something and retweet it. But, um, you know, people give me, People give me these accolades and these these credits for the things that I say or or the things that I'm doing, and and I'm so serious, Chelsea, when I say I'm like I'm just I'm divinely living my purpose. Yes. So I've created divinely again through an acronym for purpose, and so there's a lot of people out here, and so I got this thing I, I, I struggle with social labels. I struggle with like terms like when I was in the bath when I was heavy in the basketball space like basketball trainer like oh yeah I don't like that you know I'm doing more than that so um, honestly I was kind of one of the first people that started to play around with the term skill developer okay yeah, like I we ain't being, I ain't training basketball like I, you train a dog like I'm this is these are people I'm developing people and and it's more than just basketball um, motivational speaker is another one for me like I'm I struggle with that word like. That ain't on me whether or not you get motivated. That's on you. And, and, <laughs> so, like and especially as I'm in this paid space now where people are paying me to speak, I, don't, I, I, would, I would not be okay with myself if you paid me to motivate your group, your team, your organization. And that's not what I did. So that's why I just, I'm an experience teller. I'm just telling my story. And so through that, with this whole purpose piece and answering your question, everybody's out here talking about, you know, find your purpose, find your purpose, you know, line your passion up and all this. And they're like, okay, cool. Where, where I find that at? Like, is it under this rock? Is it behind this tree? Is it around this corner? And and again, the thing that I've learned most is we struggle because we don't know who we are. Well, so if we need to know who we are and whose we are, like you mentioned, that's an internal journey. Uh Uh-huh. You know, we start we start looking for our purpose externally like it's somewhere out there when our purpose is rooted in here. It's rooted in self-reflection and being yeah. connected to your creator. Yeah. So the acronym that I've created to take us on this journey of purpose, which is what I call it, the first P is passion. The U is uncommon. The R is resilience. The second P is preparation. The O is opportunity. The S is service and the E is experience. So we literally go through this journey of answering these seven questions. What am I passionate about? What makes me uncommon? How am I resilient? Not, not you got to be resilient when life punches you in the face. You got to get back up. That sounds good, but how? How do I do that? How do I do that? Um, how do I prepare? to capitalize on these opportunities. Opportunities don't come once in a lifetime. They come all the time. It's just often often we're not prepared for them. 
Um, and then the last two are my favorite two services. Like we talked about this before you press record. Uh, I like to define success as greatness for me. I like to define significance as greatness for somebody else. Like how is my greatness great for somebody else? So that's who I'm serving. And then the E is experience. My grandma used to tell me, if you ain't been through nothing, you can't tell me nothing. Come so, on, <laughs> come on, grandma. Yes. So, but but it's embracing us. We were we were messing with Coach Bruce before, but you know, so often we don't have issues sharing the 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 peaks of our journey, but we we don't share the valleys of our journey. We don't we yes. don't share those those tunnels and those caves. And no, that's where that's where the purpose is. I I, I do this exercise where, um, you know, I basically have people imagine that everybody has to cure the, the cure to cancer and you not sharing your story is you not curing somebody's cancer because somebody is only going to hear what they need to hear the way that you have to say it. And yes. if you don't say it, then you might as well not have, you might as well go to your grave with the cure to cancer. And we all know how we will feel with that. I know I would feel different. My dad would still be here. So I, I know how I feel if I were to think one person had to cure the cancer and they, they were selfish enough not to share their story. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to feel a certain kind of way. So I got no choice but to share mine. I think that's huge. I mean, that was a jam-packed and right on time message. Shout out to you, grandma. Okay. <laughs> and I love that. And, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I believe and I grew up in the village mindset. And so that's another portion and on another day that we could discuss. But those, even those one-liners of wisdom that yeah. we received helped us come. You said so much in this, and I'm so glad you touched on this. I had a conversation with so many coaches about sharing our experiences. Our testimonies are not our own. Yeah. Problem is we hold them so close to the vest. I said this every time you can probably find this on three to four episodes already, because I'm so passionate about that truth. I know what I experienced. Mm. And especially when you coach and lead young people, even your peers, my mom used to always call him, she from Missouri. He's from Missouri, the show me state. Mm-hmm. Show these babies, okay, how do you know? You right. It's hard right. and I'm going to make it. How do you know? And th- those are, and I know you have an athlete like that, if not for your whole team, because those are my babies. <laughs> hold our testimonies to our vest. We hold those valley moments as you stated to our vest because A, I'm not telling people my business. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I can't let people see that I struggled. But it's the struggle that strengthens people. It's in that testimony of those valley moments that you talked about that give people their freedom. There's a a, a, um, a quote, and I can't remember who said it right now. And somebody actually that I followed posted this the other day. And it says, if a man lands on a mountain, how do you think he got there? Mm-hmm. He ain't fall there. He just land there, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. and, and I tell people that all the time. I can tell you God's a healer, right? He is, but I can tell you he's a healer and it add the extension in there to let you know, I know it personally for myself and watch that person since you mentioned cancer. I know that you were just bridging some gaps there and making a point, but watch that person that's experienced cancer say, now wait now, mm-hmm. I, I was hopeless, but now you're giving me some hope. Mm-hmm. Hold it to myself though, y'all. Mm-hmm. How can somebody be broken free? So I appreciate you for that. The other thing that you mentioned, I love this acronym, man, because I think that it, it, it creates a global experience for our young people, even our adults, honestly, because sure. we have your passion. Um, it's uncommon. The resilience, preparation, opportunities, service is huge. And I'm going to stop right there because 
right? Service is huge. Yeah. And as soon as I was writing, I was like, yes, come on, Jason. <laughs> acronym before he said it, y'all, I did not. And so when you mentioned service, I think that that within our young people is a piece that's missing. Mm-hmm. Up in a technology age, they're growing up with so many other things. You know, I just had a birthday, y'all. I turned 34, right? And people always tell me, everyone on my coaching staff is older than me on by design. I want to be better. And as I say, hey, you can't teach me something if you ain't go through nothing, right? And when I say that, I say, oh, well, you young. Stop telling them kids that. I'm like, I am, but I grew up in a unique time, right? Because social media was just on the rise, mm-hmm. okay? There was no TikTok and Instagram, when I was in school, right? We had MySpace. We don't bring that back, okay? <laughs> That's an introduction, but it was only for college students. You had to yeah. have college email, right? Yeah. Yeah. We have all these little things that they're putting out here. And I tell these young people that cell phones were not what you knew them as right now. I was rocking with a Blackberry and I thought I was doing something. Mm-hmm. And so because of that very moment, our young people are consumed with so many opportunities but they miss those opportunities that you have out here in the acronym because they're they're like this mm-hmm. or they're following the latest trend. Service is a piece that I've learned that when you teach these young people the value of service, it opens their heart. It allows them to stop being selfish, right? Why do you think service is something that's lacking in our young people? That's the first question. Yeah. Part to that is how can we provide an act of service attached to our programs to help these young people do that? Because if we don't, who will? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like to answer the first part of your question, I feel like it, it ain't sexy. <laughs> it's just like, like ain't nothing, ain't nothing sexy talk. about that. You know what I mean? It's, it's I don't want to just learn how to do this basic right to left crossover. I want to do a right to left double crossover between the legs step back. Well, you can't do the double left to right step back if you can't do the crossover. So um, whether it's basketball and that's, that's the biggest thing between what I do, Chelsea is like, okay, cool. Let's take these, these, this sport that you're interested in. And, and you think that you're passionate about, I don't say you think that you're passionate about, and let's take those things and let's show you how all of the skills and, and principles and beliefs and values that you gather from this sport are transferable into life. Yeah. I am who I am as a 43 year old man because I had a great raising, a great upbringing and, and everything that I went through in between those lines. I, every one of those words I went through in between those lines first, passion, uncommon, resilience, preparation, opportunity, service, experience, that all started in between my lines. And, and so now it makes it really easy for me to step into who I am because I've done it already. I, I've been here before. And so, you know, to answer that question of how can we teach our young people to serve, I am huge on modeling what gets and what gets rewarded gets repeated. Mm. You you, you put them in situations to be able to practice it. You put them in situations to be able to do it. And then you tell them good job for it. I think that's one thing that as a as a culture um, and as a generation of adult, I feel like that's one thing that we don't do enough of to our young people we're, we're, we're so hung up on they different they soft they this they that like yeah. and, and we ain't giving them enough hey great job <laughs> you know what i'm saying good You're good right. job even if good job wasn't perfect job 
you know, you gotta, you gotta reward that. And so I learned that from a behavioral piece, you got a kid that might not be locked in or might not be, you know, doing yeah. what he or she's supposed to do. I ain't gonna necessarily spend a whole bunch of time on him or her, you know, hey, Chelsea, I see you over there, eyes locked in. Like, I'm going to focus on what I want. And then all of a sudden, Chelsea perked up because she like, yeah, I want to keep hearing my name. That's right. And now all of a sudden, Jennifer over here, she perked up too. She like, well, dang, she ain't saying my name. I want to make, what, what is Chelsea doing that I need to do so she can say my name? That's right. So, so yeah, it, it's I feel like the biggest thing with service, but then that goes back to that experience piece too. We can't continue to hold on to those frustrations, discouragements, anger, hurt, trauma, pain, you know, all those things that that are the low points of our life. We can't hold on to those because the service is sharing those. Now they see it. Now they do it. Jason, y'all, <laughs> what else? With a why. Because everyone has a why. <laughs> and that's why he's here. Okay. I'm telling you, now y'all see what I got on that first phone call. Man, I mean, I think that's huge. And and you're right in that. I, I often reflect back on my first year of coaching and where I am now and how so often because of modeling, all right, what you think a coach is supposed to be, I truly had to reconfigure, right? Mm. See the person who tells us how to move because what you said was perfect. And it is right on time. We actually just started a, a accountability uh, competition within our program that has nothing to do with basketball. Sure. It is competing on the intangibles, right? And I don't hold nothing to my best. If y'all hear it, one of you, you can. But it's, it's rooted in the same thing that you just said. All right? We have some injuries. So they're like, how do I play? Oh, boo, this has nothing to do with basketball, right? right. <laughs> when you go, I believe who it was. I don't want to give anybody the wrong. With Minnesota. It was Minnesota, I believe, women's basketball. The other day, uh, they tweeted out, and it was perfect, right? The baby got an N1, right? And that's normally what would get the highlights and the, the looks on social media. But it was almost like a rope was attached to all four players, and when their teammate fell, somebody tugged them because in sync, they ran and picked their teammate up. Mm-hmm. My players, and I said, is this us? Mm-hmm. And I left it at that. Mm-hmm. You know, And I love the responses. I always say, this group right here is a bit different. Um, because, you know, normally kids are, yes, we do that. What are you saying? Why are you sending that? You know, their response was, that's us sometimes, but we can be better. Mm. And as a coach, I'm like, ooh, okay. You know, yeah. <laughs> we started this on intangibles. Who's cheering on the bench? And I'm not talking about we're up by 10. I'm talking about we're down by 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> who is you ain't gonna, you ain't gonna let Coach Daniels lay that down hey huh? I'm not gonna let him know. go till we see each other in January he knows it um who's the one who's making sure that when they're the senior and then the ninth grade and the ninth grade has got their head down because that same crossover you talked about it's not as easy mm. so as a senior when I remember coach taking us through ball handling and I was struggling can I tell him about that experience can mm-hmm a water break and before practice and help them those are the things we're looking for all right who's taking a charge now i know i said no basketball but those are intangibles in the game that's necessary who wants to get down and dirty to do the things to help this team win that's not on the stat book and in life is exactly what you said right we have to model these things i say it and it is the truth this generation is a bit different but that being said because they're different we can't keep teaching the same way 
we can't keep modeling the way we used to. If we want to reach them, we have to go back into the drawing board. Yeah. Just ask me, coach, what are you doing differently this year? It seems like the young ladies are truly tapping in. And I said, I have to keep going back to the drawing board. Mm -hmm. Blessed that I was able to be able to talk to so many coaches over this pandemic and still. But as a teacher, there's another side of me. As a teacher, you teach in my classes are 25 to 30 people, right? Now it's hybrid, but everyone doesn't learn the same way. Sure. So I'm going to keep watching a, a young person fail and be okay with that as a teacher, or I'm going to, or am I going to find multiple ways to bring across the same information? So yes, in the eighties and the nineties, the athletes were different. They were. Well, now in 2020, almost 2021, they're different. Who's to say what was better or worse? But what I am saying is if you're trying to teach the young people in 2020 and 2021, the way you did in the 80s and the 90s, that's why they're different. Yeah. They're not listening. If you recognize they're different, what are you doing differently? And I think that was huge. Mm. This is a servant leader, man. And <laughs> it's so what the, you said in the first it's line. So much what you said. Oh, um, go ahead. Yeah. What you said about the generations being different. Yeah, they're different, but they've always been different. We were different from our parents too. Huh? You know, yep. shout out moms. I know you, you gave her a shout out for already being on here, but we were, every generation has been different. And that's the, that is the question. Okay. So if they're different, what are you doing different? Cause if we consistently try to teach them the ways that we were taught and yeah. yeah, that ain't going to cut it. Like I, I was brought up coached, parented and taught mm -hmm. by baby boomer men primarily yeah and baby boomer men are not they ain't necessarily throwing their arm around you telling you how much they love you. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know what i mean and that's no that's absolutely no disrespect to them because they were on like so this is this is one of those things where I don't realize how powerful statements like this, these are until I say, it. but, but you taught you teach what you've been taught. Yeah. Unless you have that growth mindset, development mindset, abundance mindset to say, oh, okay, what do I need to go to make sure that I continue to develop? Otherwise you teach what you've been taught and what you, what most people have been taught, especially coaches have been, if it ain't hard, it ain't right. If I ain't yelling, I ain't coaching. If I ain't cursing, yeah. I ain't coaching. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and I just had this conversation and I think Coach Huff is on here. I know I saw his phone on here earlier. Yeah. Um, I, I had a conversation with his team earlier this week and, and one of his guys are like, you know, I, I, I yell at me, cuss at me. And I'm like, okay, cool. Understand though, I can coach you and I can love you without doing that as well. Yep. And, and I think that's so important especially like for both. I was, I was about to say, especially for our young men, but for our young women as well, yep. because all of a sudden he, he navigates through life and he thinks that the only way that he can be coached is when he's yelled and screamed at and cursed at. Yep. And he, he's going to miss out on a lot of opportunities because they don't come in that package. And, and this is where you and everybody in embrace us, Coach Huff, you know, all of these people, we become, we become monumental. Mo Williams, like this is because we are showing them a different way of care, love, service, trust, relationship, 
that is so different from what most of us got when we were young athletes. So, yeah, I just think it's it's important that we do that for sure. Sorry, I took up all the time. My bad. <laughs> no, you're fine. Hey, what do we say? It's organic. <laughs> organic and authentic. And it needed yeah. to be said. And you had so many coaches. I'm not going to steal their thunder because we're going to open it up in just a bit. But it needed to be said. And 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 that's just it. And I, and I think, like I said, going from year one to now you're 11, still young in the game uh, as a coach. That is one of the biggest things I learned. And mm. It's tailor-made coaching. Just how you have to teach students differently. I cannot go in coaching 15 young ladies the same way. They're, nah. they're so your approaches must be different. Um, and I think that's exactly what you said. You may want it to be hard, you may want it to be cursed at because that's all you've been taught. But let me mm-hmm. way. And watch, you know, how much better you become, watch your growth expand. And not only that, in life. No boss is going to come cuss at you and scream and holler, all right, in order for you to do your job. Sometimes you could be fired, not even really know why you did. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're just scooting along because you are, you have always been taught as an athlete that if I'm wrong, coach going to yell and scream. You know, that's not how life works. Yeah. I can tell you, Sprint, Verizon, they're not going to yell and say, pay your bill. They're going to see a couple of notices. Mm-hmm mail text and if not we're gonna cut you off that's yeah. and so we have to show them that way and i think that was amazing i have a few more questions for you but i am going to take this time uh to make sure any coaches leaders our people fellowship on us today if you have anything for mr jason wells you can go ahead and unmute yourself and ask comment or whatever you see fit and give you that opportunity Hey, Mr. Wells, how are you? Anthony, how are you, man? You know, you you are how old right now? I'll be 43, I'm, I'm sorry, 44 in two weeks. Damn, I never looked that, that good when I was 40. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> like that. I appreciate you, that. No, no, you know, everything you're saying is, is really hitting home. And I think that we... Sometimes we know that, but it's hard for us to accept, you know, because like you said, this is all we know, right? We know that. Get, can I, can I go shameless plug real quick? Throw that in the chat. Throw that in the chat. That's not shameless. <laughs> if you don't share it, we're never going to know about it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I love everything you said. You know, it's, these kids are very different. You know, we can't, we can do part of what we did what we know from when we were players can't do all of it. Yeah. Never gonna work. Yeah. We're not we're not doing them justice. And you know, I, I coach Chelsea knows I, I talked to her, you know, on the regular I haven't been a couple of months of my fault. Um I have three children of my own, 29, 27 and 22 just graduated. And they only know me being hard on them. So they're different than what's out there. And sure. I, you know, and I've explained to them that's their benefit. That's their benefit that they need to use because if somebody, you know, will recognize that sooner or later and it's gonna value that. But that's not the norm. That's not the normal 29-year-old, 27-year-old, 22-year-old. Sure. You know, and you hit it right on the head. You know, 
has to be a mixture of everything. And then uh, really, you really were, uh, you know, as they say, throwing some gems out there. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Jason. Um, uh, great, great job, uh, Chelsea. Awesome. Uh, this awesome platform. I'm glad to be a part of it today. Um, really thankful that, that Jonathan connected us. Um, I, I have a, I have a, another question, but you, when you talked about water, you said it was beautiful, destructive, versatile, and I didn't get the last one. Um, resilient. So actually, if you go in order, resilient was before versatile. So okay. that's the order that I, not, not that it comes in an order, but um, yeah, beauty, destruction, versatility, and resilience. I'm sorry, resilience and versatility. Because like Anthony, I also, I have three sons, um, 11, 6, and 3. Um, and, and one thing that I try to drive um, into them is just the ability to, you know, put forth maximum effort in everything that you do. Sure. Um, academics have come extremely uh, uh, easy to them. Um, I taught middle school um, history for about six years um, in conjunction with my pastoral role um, at the church. Um, but, you know, so they, they understand the educational space. Um, and so now my oldest is in middle school and some of these classes are a little bit more challenging Yeah. to mention he's learning in a virtual environment. So a lot of it is really self-teaching and, and, and him understanding the ability to really have to do things on your own. Um, and, and I wanted to share that with him uh, when, we, when we get done with this call. Uh, but one of the things that, that really stuck out to me was the fact that, you know, like, you know, who pours into you, mm. you know, so like as a pastor, a lot of times I'm pouring into people all the time, all the time. Every every Sunday, um, I'm teaching this quarter um, in our midweek Bible class. And so like I'm pouring out all the time. Um, and so I've really been trying to make it a point um, as far as my purpose. My purpose can't grow unless I'm being poured into as Absolutely. well. Um, so I've really tried to be intentional about finding a number of things, a number of platforms to, you know, gain things. Um, because I went so long without it. Um, and so sometimes you try to put accomplishments in as a coping mechanism, uh, but then that leads to getting burnt out, you yeah. know? Um, and so, uh, and then I me I mentor some, some young men as well. And so this is just really good. I just wanted to say that like, this has been a blessing to my Saturday, yeah. uh, you know, before I, I relax, get my mind right for tomorrow and, and watch this Earl Spence fight later. But I'm, I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. Thank you. Yeah, no, no doubt. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Anthony and Vince. Come on, come on, Anthony. Come on. Come on. Can I, we can we cut off his camera, Chelsea? Hey, I know. Look, I can't <laughs> look, I can't do it to him. Straight <laughs> from New York. Straight from New York. So you know I gotta love that. Hey, we 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 uh you know, we have a rough season this year, uh, but it's okay. Uh, my, my my cowboys, man. We have a rough oh, season. Oh man. <laughs> it's it's hard. It's it's hard. So y'all pray for me. <laughs> hey, look, I couldn't cut the camera off because you shouted out my mother about 20 minutes ago, and she is a Steelers fan. So I can't uh, do that. Now I'm gonna take yes, that and back. She said, and she said, "You better go steal it." Yeah, I see. She all in the chat and everything. Look, <laughs> I, you mentioned resilience. I am a Dolphins fan, and I'm silently praying us continuing through because I'm loving where we are, but I'm still going to just yeah. through humbly. Right? <laughs> uh, I'm one day off. I had my Finns hoodie on yesterday. So if I would have known that, uh, <laughs> no, no cowboy talk, please. You know, you know, what's funny. They didn't, coach. The they, didn't, they didn't mention the Falcons though. Yeah. 
because he can't mention them. He, he know he know why. That's why you got to divert and start talking about other teams, Huff. Come on, man. <laughs> we can, Sorry, Coach, we, what is this? We definitely can learn a lot from the Steelers organization because they have evolved, right? Mm. You think about it, right? What do they do when a guy wants a lot of money and wants, they say, okay, you got to go. Yeah. We're, we're good. We're not mad at you, you know, but this is not what we do here. We're about football, you know? So it's great, you can go. And they've had success letting great players go, but they really weren't great players. They what we thought were great players. Greatness came from something else, right? I mean, so now we can learn a little bit from that. I don't want to make that plug. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're not mad at you, coach. We're not mad at you at all. <laughs> coach Chelsea, can I can I throw some in and it, and it actually ties right into what Anthony and Vince were both talking about <clears throat> and, and what you ended off as well. So um I call everybody coach. I ran across a definition of mentor that didn't necessarily sit well with me a few years ago. And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna stop using that word. So, uh, but I just call everybody coach. Um, and so whether it's in the athletic space or not, this guy happens to be in the athletic space, but I never played for him. Actually, it, it, he was more of a, uh, it was after I retired and he was more of a coach, coach, life coach, as opposed to athletic coach his name is Jim Burson longtime coach in Ohio um, he coached at a small college in, in Ohio for called Muskingum for a long time his son actually played at Ohio State Jay Burson phenomenal player that I grew up watching and and I worked with coach when I was in the Nike space and we were having a conversation one day and he's 75 years he's been telling me 75 for the last three years so he's at least 75 maybe 78 79 but we were having this conversation and he's like, we're talking um, communication and he's good friends with George Ravlin and, and guys like that. And he's like, Jason, you know, back in the day, communication for us was a written letter or we picked up the phone and we called, you know, that was how we communicated. Is communication now is the new letter an email, you know, is the new phone call a text message? And my response to him was coach, it doesn't matter. Like what matters is the, the fact that we communicate. That's the principle. And, and then further along in that same conversation, we're talking about this generational thing that we've been talking about with the, with the athletes. He's like, you know, we can't coach these, this, this new generation of athletes like we coached you guys. I was like, coach, it doesn't matter. The principle is they still need to be coached. And, and that's where I came up with like this idea of it's the principle's that remain consistent. The procedures change. The principles remain the same. And he and I in that moment, and I've looked it up as, as much as I can, but he and I in that moment came up with a quote. I'm a quotes guy and I, and I just love the knowledge and the wisdom that quotes provide. And what he and I came up with in that moment is change with the times, but cling to unchanging principles. And if you, you can take that and put that into Huff, that's one for you. You ain't heard that one yet, bro. Um, you, like, like, but, but take that and apply it in any area of life. Apply it in, in your relationship. Apply it in your family. Apply it in athletics. Apply it in your profession. Change with the times, but cling to unchanging principles. Principles don't change. Procedures do. That was a drop the mic moment right there. I'm just going to drop my own microphone. 
you know I had to just let I had just let the silence breathe for a second on that one because that one and Huff did he said that one's big time be one of his gems that he puts out because I immediately my hands started writing and I love that you said that and it was definitely God's will that you said it because it led me into the questions that I have for you as we start to make a close on this and I just all I heard in my head was hold to God's unchanging yeah, hand. Really. So that being said, you had to hold to God's unchanging hand throughout your career, throughout everything that you've been doing. Can you talk to us about God's unchanging hand and Jason Wells life? Yeah. Um, I don't even know where it would be, where I would be without that. Uh, we were joking again before we, before you press record and I'm saying, I don't even know who I am. Um, my life is a blessing across the board. Um, little boy from Cleveland, Ohio, inner city Cleveland, Ohio, and I run across people and anybody that's from a metropolis area, like it's, there's a reason that LeBron, I'm from Akron, I'm not from Cleveland. It's so easy for us as the big city to pull in the, the little city. But when you're from the little city, like people from Flint, I'm from Flint, I ain't from Detroit, you know what I mean? And, but for us, we, we grew up, with a whole bunch of you can'ts, you won'ts, you shouldn'ts. It wasn't a, it wasn't a whole bunch of you cans, you wills, you shoulds. And as a little boy from Cleveland, I, I fell in love with basketball because that's what I did most. You know, I, I was playing with my friends. I got good at it because I got good at it. Opportunities started to present themselves. My college scholarship. I went to Indiana State because that was my only D one offer. Other than that, it was going to be a bunch of D3s in the Cleveland area or JUCO, which at that time was still taboo. That was for the kids that were jerks or, or not good in class. So um, my overseas experience, I had absolutely no issues telling anybody. My first job was $3,000 a month, $30,000 for 10 months. You do the math, you know, and, and now you know, one of the things that I do my best to give to this generation is like, I don't know if they, they know, like, it's a grind. We like, they, they say I'm out here grinding. I'm out here grinding. You ain't grinding. If you got your phone in your face, documenting the grind and you ain't grinding. Come on. <laughs> you know? So, and then from there, the blessings only multiplied. So when we talk from a spiritual level, um, I was raised Southern Baptist by my big mama. Um, and then I went to Catholic school from sixth grade to 12th grade. So I got that experience. Um, and then I've been, I played five seasons in Israel. So you can't get no more spiritually connected <laughs> than that place. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, and two of those years were directly in Jerusalem. And, and so like, I remember the first time I went to the old, I got goosebumps just talking about it. Um, I remember the first time I went to the old city and, couple things happened. The first thing was the old city is, is on the, the Arabic side. So you have to go with an, uh, a Muslim that's leading you across the, the wall and, and into, into the old city. And um, you, you, he said, nothing catastrophic will ever go down in Jerusalem because everything is so intertwined. Christianity, Islam, all these things are so intertwined together. Nothing like that. We, we can't like all whatever terrorist acts you think we got over here. It ain't going to go down in the old city because for me to destroy something that's sacred to you, I'm also destroying something that's sacred to me. So that's awesome. 
And then the other part to that story was I when I went the first time to the old city, we're going through and we walk into the cave where they had the Last Supper. And the cool part about it is they don't try to recreate it. It ain't no table in there with this big purple plush pla- uh, tablecloth. No, it's, a li- it's literally a cave. You are inside of a rock. And when I walked in, I instinctively took my hat off. And the dude was like, uh, my tour guide, he was like, no, you don't have to take your hat off. And I looked at him like, bruh, if this is anywhere close to what you're telling me it is, that's the least I'm going to do is take yeah. my hat off. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, but but my thing is this. I know what I believe in. I know what I'm rooted in as far as my spiritual beliefs. But my travels around the world have really allowed me to be able to, like when you break down religions across the board religions all boil down to the same thing love yourself love others love the supreme whatever you may call them whatever you may call them it it all boils down to the same thing and so um you know i I could get off on a tangent with this but as i look at the world and where we are and, and you're talking about you know obviously social injustice and voter suppression and all these things that we talk about in our country specifically like it, it, we care about it because it's right here with us. But I had to take a trip to South Africa and really start to study apartheid. And we can point the finger at apartheid and talk about how terrible it is and then look back and it's like, eh, we just didn't call it apartheid. It's, it's the same thing. So loving people, and, and my definition of love is a commitment to someone else's well-being. Not a family love, not a romantic love, if I can be committed to someone else's well-being, that doesn't take time like a romantic love and it's not inherent like a family love. I can literally look at Anthony, look at Vince, look at Chelsea, you know, know Bruce, and I can say I love you because I'm committed to, to your well-being. I'm committed to what's best for you. What can I do to do what's going to be best for you? And that's how, that's love to me. And I feel like, you know, that's one of those things that's simple but not easy, but I got, I got this, I got this big audacious goal to inspire and influence 77 million people. So I need, I need each and everybody on here to do it. I can't do that by myself. Y'all, y'all see him? Like, I just see, I don't know if you could see it. It was almost like Sega used to be <laughs> like Sega, All right? Sonic the Hedgehog, when he used to just be floating through and the rings hit, I just see little jewels just boop, 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 just coming through. <laughs> With that, hey, right? Huff said, "Mic drop." Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate right? that. Bro. And it's funny because oh, I see him. Did you have you have something for us? I, I just have a question um, because I, I'm a very big picture guy. Um, even even when I was coaching varsity B line uh, when I lived in Phoenix, um, you know, and now I'm just exclusively you know in a in my pastoral space and community work. Um, but can you elaborate on? Because you're very specific in your direction. Um, and, and I believe that sometimes I'm big picture. I know where I want to go. Sure. Um, but there's a certain sense of detail or like you just gave a number, right? Like, you know, you want to <laughs> impact 77 million people. And I'm always curious to know when people arrive at these these numbers or the specificity of their direction. Sure. Um like where where does where does that come from? Because I know for me, like I'm big, I'm big picture, yeah. right? 
you know, whether I'm preaching on a street corner or <laughs> I'm I'm at Genesee Avenue with 300 plus people. Like, you know, I, I feel like my purpose is the same, but I know I want to impact um, a bunch of folk. But how did you get to that place? Yeah, um, specifically with the 77 million, bro, that is not a random number. So that number represents roughly 1% of the world. So 7.7 .7 billion people in the world. Um, and I went from, I can't remember exactly, but you know, late teens, late teens going into college, I used to always refer to myself as a one percenter. And I never really knew what it even meant back then. I just, I, I felt like 99% of the world was different from me. They ain't move like me. They didn't think like me. They didn't, they didn't act like me. Um, and how that's progressed over, you know, experience and maturity and all of that is 99%, if you're a 1% looking at the 99, that's a daunting number. Because you're either looking at how do I influence, impact, change the 99% or, or like it's, it's basically impossible. And so I just had a mindset shift of, I know the 99% is there, but the energy that I give off doesn't even acknowledge them. I'm a horse running with blinders on and my energy only gives off energy where I attract other one percenters. So I'm, I only, I, I, I'm allergic to garbage, <laughs> you know, and it's there, but I'm allergic to it. And, and again, the energy that I give off only attracts 77 million and I, I can't do that by myself. So I need you, I need Chelsea, I need Anthony, I need everybody on here and everybody that you connected to because that's going to get us to the to the 77 million. Yeah, that that's a, I, I knew it wasn't a, a random <laughs> number. I knew you didn't wake up and say I want to impact 77 million. Yeah. That's why that's why I had to ask, uh, yeah. you know, uh, because, you know, like I, that's just kind of one of the things like with me, you know, like I, I, I think about those things and I try to really listen to what people say. Um, so, man, blessings, brother. That, yeah, that was, that was good. That. I appreciate and that, that the last thing, Vince, with that is that's not a dollar amount either. Like, I, and yes, I understand. I got this is how I put food on the table, but that 77 million isn't a dollar amount. That's an impact amount. But now just imagine, just imagine if each one of those 77 million just gave me one dollar. I feel like I can make that work. I, I can, you know, if I do right, I can budget that right, you know. <laughs> so so um yeah man that, that's the impact amount not a dollar amount too so it, it'll it'll come and I, I shared this um not long ago and I this is another one of those things that I didn't realize the, the power of this like somebody not too long ago asked me you know well would you do it for free and I'm like man I, I that's what I've been doing is doing it for free I'm at the point now where I'm I need to challenge myself and coach myself into the business side of this um but also too at the same time I shot a whole bunch of jumpers in the backyard before somebody started paying me for them. And, and so, you know, right now, whether it's a, a limited budget situation or whether it's, you know, we all living in this pandemic and finances are just uncertain. You know, I, I got the ultimate faith that if I keep serving the way that I'm led to serve and being obedient in this lane that I'm supposed to be in, I'll be all right. <laughs> I'll be good. So, yeah. Yeah, faith faith is it's more than just wishing for it to happen. It, it, you know, faith without action is dead, right? Come on here, Jason. <laughs> you know, I, I was sitting here too, and you know, I knew that number it wasn't random. 
And you also spoke about the, you know, that 1%. And I think it's amazing because I immediately started thinking about the parable of the lost sheep. Because Jesus left the 99 for the one. Right. As my pastor say over there in Matthew and Luke, y'all look <laughs> at it, right? Because Jesus left the 99 for the one. And so I think that's so amazing because it also talks about simply the fact of servant leadership and that number you represented. I don't have to do it all. Right. You have to do my part. Right. And so that takes me to the way that I always end this thing. I'm on a mission of creating the longest <laughs> and of correct, true, wholehearted, compassionate thoughts of what servant leadership looks like. You said when we opened up, you said servant leadership, you Google it. I promise you, you got a million books. <laughs> you have a million, all these different things, right? But it's about that compassion. And I laughed because I said, well, shoot. He honestly gave me an amazing new definition when he defined how he gave love. And I was not going to ask. I said, no, because if that was a new definition of love, let me see what he has for servant leadership. So to Jason Wells, how do you define servant leadership? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it's really simple. It is touching on what I spoke about earlier when I was talking about service in the acronym. So, you know, we all aspire to have this level of success, which to me is personal. So I define success as greatness for me. Um, and then significance is now me taking my greatness, my personal greatness. And now how am I giving that greatness to somebody else? Who's great because of my greatness. And so when I think servant leader, I'm thinking, how am I pouring myself authentically, not buzzword authentically, real authentically. Um, and authenticity to me is also this, this tree of if authenticity are the leaves and the branches on the outside and, and the umbrella word, I feel like authenticity is rooted in self-awareness on one leg and vulnerability on the other leg. Self-awareness is, I define it as my ability to take all of the things in my life and not associate them with good or bad. They just are. I'm divorced. The world will tell me that's bad. My divorce also allowed me to be able to jump into what now is serving as my purpose. So it, it, just, it just is, it, it wasn't good or bad. And then the other leg to, to that authenticity piece is vulnerability, which I define is you know, your ability to be able to share your weaknesses, your uncertainties, your fears, your, your struggles, and, and share those with people. Those two things. Am I aware of what I've been through? Can I not associate it with right or wrong, good or bad? <clears throat> and now can I share, especially those obstacles and challenges in life, that's authenticity. And, and a leader is anybody that's got somebody following them. So now how can I take my, my significance and pull one person, you know, push one person, grab one person by the hand and just, or, or just model. So that would be it. I think it's awesome. And I think it's awesome because it continuously, the theme of this whole thing has been transparency, authenticity, and purpose leadership, Right. And it started even back at the beginning of our conversation where we said you have individuals who are trying to uh, judge and measure out our purpose with a meter stick. Your purpose is your purpose. Mm. I called you to do is what he called you to do. And if it's to help those one percenters or to help the 99, do what he's called you to do. Pour into those that are following you with authentic 
authentic leadership, help my greatness pour into them with significance so they can become great. Giving of myself to help the helpers and being okay to share what I've been through. It's, it just is, but what I can share with my vulnerability can help that one or that one million. Mm-hmm. And so Jason, that being said, man, I'm here. I, I was trying not to turn my pages so loud. <laughs> you heard when I compress this audio down, but brother, you have me over here with my notebook equipped with some notes and some wisdom and some gems that you have definitely dropped today. I'm just thankful for you. Before I even say everything else, I'm thankful for the man that you are. I'm thankful for the servant leader that you are. But more importantly, I'm thankful for your vulnerability today because it truly did help us. And I know that when this airs out for those that need to hear it, it's going to help them too. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Before we close out, I'm going to ask two things from you. I'm going to ask one, you give us a one-liner to coast into our weekend. And I'm asked too that you close this out in prayer. Is that cool with you? Yeah, let's do it. Um, yeah, one-liner would just be. Uh, I'll, I'll keep it simple because this one doesn't. This one doesn't go away from me. So on my wrist all the time, I wear a band that says "Do you." I was waiting for that. One. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we all talk about "Do you," and mine is actually an acronym. It's D E W, which is my dad's initials. And my, when my dad passed away in two thousand and three, it literally was just my little tribute to him. It was, you know, I used to call him "Do Man," and that was just my little thing. And this was right around the time when rubber bands were coming out. Lance Armstrong had to live strong bands and all that. So it was really just my little tribute to him. Um, but then I, I, I was moved to be able to, this is also the cornerstone of what I refer to as my purpose statement. So my dad's initials at its core and my purpose statement verbalized is to develop and empower winners so they can go inspire and impact the world. So that's what the DEW is developing and empower winners. Um, and yeah, you know, everybody talks about do you, do you, do you, do you, and that's cool, but it's going to be impossible to do you if you don't know you. So um, yeah, that's the, that's the challenge. That's the work. We can do all of these strength finders and disc assessments and all of that. And those are cool, but that's not the work. The work is actually saying, this is who I am. This is who I want to be and, and figuring out that path of how to get there. So do you. Amen. <laughs> uh, let's do it. I got, I'll, I'll do the prayer. I appreciate it. Um, Father, we just thank you. Um, we come to you humbly kneeled um, with, with gratitude and servitude and, and obedience that you continue to guide us, direct us and lead us in the way that you see fit, not the way that we see fit. So often we get caught up into our plan and forgetting that the only plan that matters is your plan. Um, We pray that you continue to arm us with the tools needed to navigate our personal journey. So therefore we can come together in our collective journeys. We pray that you continue to arm us with strength to be able to get through the challenging times and those obstacles and, and things that look like they can be deterrences to us, but really they're just ways to be able to to arm us to move forward again in your purpose. So Lord, for the rest of today, tomorrow moving forward and for every other step that you see fit 
for us undeservingly to receive in your way. We pray for guidance. We pray for strength. We pray for wisdom. And I am just eternally grateful for every opportunity that you provide in front of me. Uh, and I pray that you continue to keep my eyes open to see those opportunities in way to be service and provide opportunities for others. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I feel I can run on. It's going to be now. I just do. I always felt that way, but I think I'm about to run a fourth lap. <laughs> we appreciate I, you so much, man. We really do just for your words and your time today. And as I tell anybody, you're now part of the servant leader family. You're always a part of mine. But now that you're part of the servant leader family, if we can do anything for you, you just let us know. <laughs>